Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. An enigma faces the Western world. That of a solution for our tired, our wearied masses who congregate in our streets. How can it be the wealthiest country in the world is inundated with scores of people who view city streets the same as they view toilets? These people are not poor. That is, if poverty standards throughout human history are used as determining factors, many of them, even as they congregate in street life, have more than many Roman emperors ever had. I tend to propagate these ideas from the American perspective, but in reality, this has become a problem throughout the entire Western world. This class or underclass of people are able to make such bad choices because they stand to benefit from the great wealth the West has accumulated through its various republics and capitalist systems. In essence, they are enabled by the prosperity of our respective societies. That being so, we cannot blame their choices on poverty. They have much wealth at their fingertips. Once in St. Augustine, Florida, I witnessed for more than an hour to a homeless man who explained to me how he made money when he felt it was needed. He would sit at a particular corner on St. George Street and Panhandle. One week worth of panhandling, if properly done, would bring him nearly $4,000. He then boasted how he would blow it on drugs and alcohol, then go back to his corner and sit. So poverty is not the solution to the enigma we face. Furthermore, they are not a politically oppressed people. They freely speak their minds, often in the most vile of manners. In reality, the cities where these miscreants congregate often pass city ordinances granting them special protection. It's almost as though they were some indigenous tribe who should have been recognized for their previous ownership of respective lands. Unfortunately, the businesses and homes in the area immediately lose any right to reasonable ownership and safety of their property. These people have no fear of political or governmental repercussions Indeed, they can go quite far with their wretched behavior. 
I have had ample interaction with people of this sort, thereby allowing me to observe their chosen lifestyle. After numerous conversations with people who are homeless, drug addicted, and violent, I have come to what I believe are sensible conclusions regarding their lives. Furthermore, I have had the wonderful privilege of traveling around the world. And I can say unequivocally, this group of people who infest the streets of the Western world are the most morally impoverished I have ever encountered. Now, I get that some of you are not going to understand that. We think from the American perspective of the heathen who live out in the jungles of Africa or uh, who span across India, and they must participate in highly immoral and wretched practices. But the reality is, few people groups the world over are willing to trade finances, homes, security, even family, for nothing more than a few moments of personal pleasure and gratification. In the West, this enigma is further complicated as attempts by politicians and social scientists to remove personal responsibility from these individuals flourish. Yet conversations with them clearly reveal they are conscious agents who willingly make their decisions. They are not somehow misguided by some unseen force or inner disease. They're victims only of their personal choices. While each individual is responsible for their choice, Patterns tend to be made manifest. These patterns create a montage of destructive decisions that should serve as warnings to others. The more nihilism is allowed to prevail in the West, this situation will continue to worsen. The word nihilism is very interesting. You may be surprised by its definitions and synonyms. Let's start with a few synonyms as listed by one of my favorite writing tools, PowerThesaurus.org. A few listed here are anarchy, atheism, disorder, unbelief, disbelief, agnosticism. Now, it is curious to me that those are synonyms for the word nihilism. Does that not then mean that large portion of our society are living nihilistic lives? It is curious to me these words could be so closely related. Now, a few definitions as defined by PowerThesaurus.org. Number one, a revolutionary doctrine that advocates destruction of the social system for its own sake. That's a very selfish approach to revolution. It's not as though we're all under bondage and need to break free as a society. The idea is, I don't like where I am, so I'm tearing everything down and making everyone restructure. It's a a nihilistic view, a nihilistic approach. The second definition The doctrine that nothing can be known, skepticism as to all knowledge and all reality. Well, that's that's the that's one of the top teachings in our colleges today. If you stop a college student on the street and try and witness to them, the first thing they're going to tell you is what their college professor taught them. You can't know anything. I once asked a college student while standing on a street corner who denied he could know anything. I asked him, what street corner are we standing on? He said, I don't know. I don't know who put those signs there. A complete denial of the most basic aspects of life is nihilistic. They're being taught this. They're being trained to think this way in colleges and in schools. This this is not relegated simply to universities. Your children are being taught this if you have them in public schools. Let's look at a third definition. The delusion that things 
or everything, including the self, (laughs) do not exist. A sense that everything is unreal. And finally, a final definition, complete denial of all established authority and institutions. Now, this perfectly describes not only the people who invade our city streets, but this way of thinking is taught expressly in our colleges and universities. Your children are being trained to view the world from a nihilistic perspective. We'll talk about this a little bit more momentarily. It's no wonder this type of thinking leads naturally to drug abuse, violence, abuse of children, dumb and unnecessary despair, and victimization. The oft response to the existence of such enigmas is to blame poverty or lack of education. But the makeup of such individuals who have made popular business storefronts their living rooms make these explanations implausible. While many of them are uneducated, Some are highly educated. That hasn't stopped many uneducated people from around the world and throughout the West from living clean, upstanding lives and becoming quite successful. If the lack of education was the definitive answer, it seems we should expect all uneducated people to be rendered incapable of maintaining fulfilling lives. And of course, that's that's not the case. So that approach falls apart. To further damage this idea, many street dwellers are highly educated. This nihilistic desire to live violently on the streets is not limited in its scope. Many highly educated and very accomplished individuals gave up life at the top in exchange for life at the very bottom. Poverty, as an explanation, experiences the exact same shortcomings. Too many individuals have brought themselves out of crippling poverty. Not only to do well, but some exceeded the majority in their success. Furthermore, many street dwellers went from great financial success to crippling poverty, often as a result of detachment from the very principles which made them successful in the first place. Once they began to view life from a nihilistic perspective, their downfall was inevitable. So poverty and education are not the answer. The enigma remains. Racial disparities do not provide any reasonable answers either. In England, their nihilistic underclass are primarily white and manifest the same destructive patterns as found in black inner city neighborhoods in America. We could also take a trip through Kensington in Philadelphia or Camden, New Jersey, and we would quickly find a mixed multitude of black people and white people who are making the same life choices. Gender also fails to provide insight as the streets are filled with both men and women. I once spoke with a faithful Bible-believing woman who spent the last 15 years of her life ministering to women in shelters of various sorts. I was interested to learn of her experience with these teenage girls. She noted that 10 to 15 years ago, when the young girls entered her care, they almost never used drugs. They were rebellious and displayed many other nihilistic tendencies But drug use was not among their symptoms. As time has progressed, they are now overwhelmingly drug addicts. For a time, our human street infestation was relegated to men, but I suppose in an act of gender equality, women decided to move further down, away from the supposed glass ceiling. Some would then suggest the existence of a welfare state across our country is causing this problem to exist. 
I believe we can name the welfare state as a culprit for exacerbation, but not as a cause for the problem's existence. Initially, the Great Society's implementation was approved by the government, but refused by American citizens. Men had enough individual character that they refused to accept money for which they had not worked. Even so, that lack of character exists in widespread fashion today. But many who receive government assistance do not live as drug addicts in the streets. The welfare state does provide a measure of assistance that makes it complicit in this problem. But they are certainly not the explanation. Citizens of the West have developed a mindset which is far from the character found in their men of old. Today, the victim mentality has caused large numbers of people to believe they are owed assistance, and they plan to stay there as long as such assistance is provided them. But the enigma before us is not understood by examining these symptoms. The true culprit for these troubles is found in the realm of ideas. Major portions of the Western world are being trained to live in nihilistic fashion. Worldviews are extremely important. They play major roles in the decisions we make. The worldviews that guide many people in the Western world have become appalling. The removal of God from their thoughts clearly results in destructive patterns of living. God said, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. This reality could not be borne out more clearly than by honestly reviewing our current world and its overwhelming problems. God was exactly right. Much insight is gained by considering the terminology of the nihilistic masses in the West. The drug addict who commits crime while high blames the drug. But when asked why he took the drug, he refers to his disease of addiction. Ultimately, his troublesome lifestyle is not his own fault. He is an unfortunate victim. At no point will the criminal consider personal choices or individual responsibility. The thief, who stole a pair of shoes, notes he is starving to death and therefore needed to steal a high-dollar pair of shoes in order to survive. (laughs) Soon after they are caught, Certain political figures will declare publicly people are thieves simply because they are trying to feed their families. We are still having trouble understanding how shoes, televisions, playstations, etc. help a drug addict who abandoned their family years before now feed said family. The murderer who describes the murder they perpetrated find convenient ways to express the act in passive fashion. The murderer and the thief make themselves the victims. Their targets of theft and violence are unfortunate subjects of an uncontrollable situation. There was just nothing they could do about it, and we need to be more understanding, I suppose. The irony of such a mindset is easily uncovered. When the thief says he had to do so in order to feed his family, if asked why he did not enter the business and fill out an application for employment, (laughs) they laugh. When asking the murderer how the gun in his hand came to have a loaded clip, the magazine inserted, the slide engaged, and the weapon deliberately brought into the most unlikely of situations, they shrug their shoulders in confusion along with the person questioning them. When the drug addict is asked how they got the drugs, they willingly respond by saying the drugs were bought from a dealer. 
When asked how they found the dealer, they reveal a long-lasting relationship with said dealer. When asked where the money came from, they explain the long and usually criminal nature of the process they go through to get the money they need to purchase their drug of choice daily. All of this displays the daily habitual patterns of conscience agents who knew exactly what they were doing. Many of these individuals note how they were often led or misled into such criminal activity, but they cannot explain how they are never led to act in reasonable and responsible manners. But as long as the criminal justice system and politics remain sympathetic to the idea of criminals as victims, it behooves these individuals to keep up the act. The reality is situations of real helplessness are unbelievably rare. There is an ever-growing dependence upon the idea that individuals are helpless beings at the merciless control of their actions, when in fact their actions are the result of their own controlled decisions. For some reason, as humans, we have developed a love for pity. This mentality now exists in extreme measures. For instance, recent nihilistic activity is on display in many American cities. Portland, Seattle, Atlanta, and Minneapolis have all manifest this nihilistic worldview. That is, they're atheists, they're agnostics, they're anarchists, and disorderly citizens have decided the best way to be heard is to violently harm other civilians, the police, and burn down buildings. They destroy everything in sight and pretend their behavior is simply the reasonably accepted response to perceived injustices. Another example we could cite is that of a young black man beating a white Macy's employee on camera. The statement they made in their defense perfectly sums up the nihilistic worldview. They said the white Macy's employee used a certain racially charged term in reference to the young men. And as a result, they had no other choice but to beat him senselessly. Now, (laughs) I sort of feel like there were a few choices in between. They could have spoken to store management to have the man dealt with appropriately. They could have acted as though they were mature adults and walked away. I mean, many other options existed, but you see the situation was beyond their control. Violence was the only choice. And as it turned out upon further investigation, The white Macy's employee never said anything of the sort. In fact, the violent young criminal was tricked into his uncontrollable behavior when his brother lied to him about the comment. We now have at least a few generations of young people who have been taught the physical response they impose upon others is justified by the emotional stimulus that in their eyes provoked this necessary abuse. It just isn't their fault when the mob drags innocent people from their cars and beat them unconsciously. This, of course, is nonsense. No greater force exists in this world than personal agency. No greater explanation of human activity exists than that of human agency. Personal responsibility may be despised, but its detestation is a personal decision. This worldview, which propagates a nihilistic lack of self-control, is the handiwork of certain lauded intellectuals. They encourage this idea from a very condescending point of view. 
This, I'm going to fix the world with my ideas mentality is inherently loaded with an aura of elitist principle. Nonetheless, Marxist, socialist, postmodernist, and humanist have all adopted this stance in some form or another. Remember, nihilism is related to atheism. It's related to anarchism. It's related to being unruly and disorderly, which all fit the Marxist, socialist, postmodernist, and humanist profile. One area in which this idea has thrived to the detriment of our society is in the area of addiction. Now, if you've heard my previous podcast, you already know where I stand on this idea and will not belabor it any further here. My point in bringing it up is to note how every behavior which provides some measure of perverse gratification is now covered under the disease of addiction. Declaring this so has in every case made every problem related thereto worse. It in no case provides any help or understanding. This approach to bad behavior has caused lasting damage to people's lives, both the criminals and their victims. The criminal is now justified in their behavior, and until doctors can find a solution, (laughs) society as a whole will have to suffer with them as they perpetrate their uncontrollable criminal acts. There's just nothing they can do about it. And we'll just have to stand by and and hope and pray that a cure for their criminality and their drug addiction and, and the other perverse aspects of their character are resolved. Another area this damage can be seen is in the home or what is left of the home. Studies have demonstrated that somewhere around 90% of men and women who get married and begin to structure their families after marriage live above national poverty lines. The basic moral principle of waiting until marriage to have children will drastically increase the average person's life situation. But who that had a Bible didn't already know that? Yet this nihilistic doctrine permeating our world would rather redefine family and sexual relationships between men and women. They prefer to see no boundaries whatsoever, breaking down what they perceive to be oppressive moral obligations between men and women. This breakdown has resulted in mass gender confusion and sexual perversion of the worst sort. Unbrided sexual exploits have ravaged our cities. Multiple generations of children would be left to bear out this unfortunate doctrinal product. Now, children have children, often as a result of multiple sexual partners making certain the father is unknown. Young women have multiple abortions with no regard of the horrors that follow taking a human life in such cruel and inhumane manner. Dogs are put to death by less cold means than that of an abortion. If the child is fortunate enough to survive the mother's womb, they may be brought into the world only to be raised by a stepfather who in fact proved to be abusive physically or sexually. Inordinate affections run rampant. Conscience, agency, and personal responsibility are essential because they are so empowering. The man or woman who takes personal responsibility for their situation can then begin to fix or better that situation. The man or woman who is subject to the whims of their prescribed disease of gratification is doomed to stay there. 
If they had no control over getting themselves into this situation, they have no control over getting themselves out of the situation. The more bad behavior is justified and the more a relativistic mode of morality is pushed upon society, the more individuals feel emboldened to remain in their destructive patterns of behavior. In the West, we have somehow turned our greatest losers into our biggest heroes. Young people now aspire to be (laughs) nothing. They dress like thugs, they mate like animals, and they despise any sense of reasonable morality. But unlike animals, this nihilistic class within our respective societies will harm themselves in reprehensible ways. As long as worldviews such as these exist and are propagated, the situation is surely to worsen. I understand placing ideas such as responsibility, delayed gratification, self-discipline, across from immediate gratification, victimization, and relativism are difficult cells. But the end result of one is prosperity, order, and morality. The end result of the other is poverty, disorder, and perverse forms of immorality. Most people approach life from the perspective of short-term gratification. Thus, nihilistic doctrines are easy to spread. Even our best and brightest have at least been influenced by these ideas. Police officers now look more like the street thugs they are sent to arrest. Often they are covered in tattoos and resemble more the television characterization of police officers than the moral agents I presume they once were. It is as if they are destined to be these dark, morally confused agents whose lives are destructive. They flirt with the line of right and wrong in an attempt to reveal they are in tune with humanity. This is nihilistic garbage. There should be a stark difference between light and darkness. Attempting to confuse the line brings about blindness. If we cannot so much as differentiate the street thug from the police officer, we're in a real mess. And not only so, but our society has decided to take its fashion cues from the members of our fentanyl-addicted streets. Regular people would rather dress like drug addicts than that of successful men and women. What's worse, our young ladies feel the need to tailor their manner of dress after prostitutes that roam the streets. Young men prefer to look like beach bums or violent criminals. On all sides, people have chosen lewd men of the baser sort as their heroes. More often than not, the person who displays some sense of personal discipline and success is considered hateful or bigoted. All aspiration or lack thereof, spirals rapidly downward. Our current condition is the result of generational training in bad ideas. Ideas have consequences, and failure to realize such has been detrimental. Ideas are accepted or dismissed after being examined through the lens of a person or group's worldview. These people are willing to destroy their lives their families, and their societies with their ideas. But they will not consider the word of God. The overall failure of this approach to life is staring us in the face. It is rare that a man can trust his own thoughts. We each desperately need to take those thoughts 
and examine them in the light of the word of God. Having done so, upon learning our thoughts and ideas are contrary to God's word regarding a particular topic, whatever it may be, we should abandon those thoughts in exchange for God's instruction. If we examine our thoughts by God's word and find that we just happen to be thinking correctly this one time (laughs) about a particular subject, then we should proceed with confidence. We live in dangerous times. The sole basis for decision-making in the West today is personal opinion, or even worse, decisions are made based upon feelings and emotions. People show no concern whatsoever for what God has to say, and that clearly shows. Shattered homes, cheated and abused children, drug addiction, depression, violence, crime, corruption, and the list could go on and on. This is life without God's input. Absolute standards of truth are rejected as if a lack of absolute truth were absolutely true. (laughs) Now, allow me to give you another option. Isaiah 55 verses 6 through 9 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And as my thoughts, then your thoughts. Now, if the goal, if the aim is to approach an elevated way of thinking, an enlightened way of thinking, a higher level of thought, it gets no higher than God himself. And so God's instruction is for man to abandon his own thoughts and to abandon his own ways. I understand that poses great difficulty for many of us, but honestly, consider the messes your thoughts and your ways have caused. God is offering you here a new way of thinking and acting, an approach to life that is steeped in righteousness, holiness, goodness. It brings about joy, peace, love, and many other great benefits, which can only come from obedience to God's word. He is not interested in a debate or a discussion. He is not asking us to consider making some concessions here and there. He is asking for total abandonment. Men seek for this utopia that they hope exists. They believe it will be ushered in as soon as their particular ideas of morality and economic structure are implemented. But God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. That means the two will never be congruent. Your only option is to abandon yours and to adopt God's. God knows what is best, thus making his ideas the best foundation of thought to build a correct worldview. The enigma, how can we be so rich and powerful and remain inundated with drug-addicted, poverty-stricken, morally impoverished, violently discontent individuals who have come to hate, 
the great country in which they live? The answer, bad ideas, bad thinking, bad teaching. These people were encouraged to live destructive and irresponsible lives, then given justification to remain there. But God's word will provide the transformation in people's hearts and minds they desperately desire. We're not speaking in terms of self-help. This is not self-improvement, but radical change from the living words of the living God. Now, I hope you'll consider these things. I hope you'll take some time to really think about them. But here is my prediction, and I'll use the words of the Lord Jesus Christ as the foundation of my prediction. Ye will not come to me that I may give you life. Thank you for listening, and God bless. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.